Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. A View from the Bridge, Act 2. I'm going to go through some key quotations and just talk a little bit about what dramatic devices are used here and what kind of things you could comment on in the quotations. So um, first up is a conversation between Catherine and Rodolfo and it sort of kicks off Act 2 with Catherine um, and Rodolfo alone in the house and Catherine brings up this idea of perhaps they could marry but live in Italy instead of America. Catherine says, suppose I wanted to live in Italy. Now, Eddie told her that Rodolfo is only wanting to marry her so she can live in America. So she's sort of testing him a bit to see his reaction. And of course, his reaction is, well, I wouldn't marry you. This alarms Catherine. Rodolfo explains it as he can't make her suffer. So she says that she thinks they'd be happier there. And he says, happier? What would you eat? You can't cook the view. Again, he's talking about the contrast between America and Italy. The view from the bridge versus the view from Italy, perhaps. But also the references to the poverty in Italy, which reoccur throughout the play. He says again, there's nothing, 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 nothing. Now tell me what you're talking about. How can I bring you from a rich country to suffer in a poor country? What are you talking about? It says she searches for words. Isn't it interesting here how just as Eddie is a very vocal character who tells Catherine what to think and what to do, isn't it interesting how Rodolfo does exactly the same thing? He continues, I would be a criminal stealing your face. In two years, you would have an old hungry face. When my brother's babies cry, they give them water, water that boiled a bone. Don't you believe that? So he says, hey, it's all about you. It's because I love you that I don't want to marry you and take you to Italy. But I think Catherine and the audience are probably rightly questioning that, thinking "Hmm, maybe Eddie was right about Rodolfo. It's interesting. He brings up the whole poverty thing, you know, uh, his brother's babies starving and having water. You know, it does jar with the fact that he seems like whenever he gets money, he spends it. He buys the records. He takes Catherine out. He buys the shoes. Eddie, again, Eddie points these things out. And I think it's, again, a, a kind of reminder that maybe there's some truth in what Eddie's been saying all along that Rodolfo wants everyone to believe he's he's the poor guy and he uses his poverty when it suits him to get sympathy. But in actual fact, he doesn't seem to be very bothered on a daily basis about his nieces and nephews at all. Now, what's um, interesting as the scene um, progresses is that he starts talking to Catherine about what he wants Catherine to tell Eddie. So in other words, Rodolfo realises that Catherine's objections are coming from Eddie. Um, And he says this, and tell him also and tell yourself, please, that I am not a beggar and you are not a horse, a gift, a favour for a poor immigrant. Again, Catherine is very much the commodity being passed around between the men. Um, And Rodolfo has this kind of pride of doesn't want to be a beggar and and taking her as a a favour. Um, 
but I don't think I don't think Catherine um is really coming off very well here and I don't I don't and I think she is increasingly alarmed at the way these these men are talking about her she tries to explain to Rodolfo about the tie that she has to Eddie you know he's brought her up as a father she says every day I saw him when he left in the morning when he came home at night you think it's so easy to turn around and say to a man he's nothing to you no more and she's sort of saying, well, well hang on, you know, that Eddie has sacrificed a lot for me. Eddie is basically my father. Um, but Rodolfo manipulates Catherine so that she's just left in a complete state of emotion and confusion. Um, by the time Rodolfo's finished all his pretty speeches, you know, she's crying, she's confused. She doesn't know what to do. And she sort of appeals to him, you know, just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, and then Rodolfo takes advantage of their situation being alone in the house um, and her being upset. And he says, there's nobody here now. Come inside, come. He's leading her towards the bedrooms and don't cry anymore. At her most vulnerable, um, Rodolfo manip- manipulates Catherine because he knows that if they sleep together, Catherine will feel bound to him. She will feel like, you know, now she has to marry him because that's that was very much the culture then. So Rodolfo basically solves the problem of Eddie's authority over Catherine by asserting his own authority over her. Um, and that's really what's going on there. Now, as soon as Eddie comes back... Um, it is really obvious what's just happened because Catherine comes out adjusting her clothes and then Rodolfo very deliberately stands in the doorway of the bedroom and, you know, Eddie knows what's happened here. Eddie says, pack it up, go ahead, get your stuff um, and get out of here. And what's interesting, obviously he's finally, you know, being very abrupt with Rodolfo and saying you know get out what's interesting here is Catherine instantly turns and walks towards the bedroom and Eddie grabs her arm where are you going so Catherine feels she has to go with Rodolfo because in sleeping with him she's essentially bound herself to him so Catherine um, turns to leave as soon as Eddie tells Rodolfo to go. Now, obviously, Eddie grabs her arm because he's desperately trying to hang on to her. So it's a metaphorical grasping of her as well as a literal one. And he grabs her arm, where are you going? Again, trying to reassert his masculine authority over her. Um, Catherine says, Eddie, I'm not going to be a baby anymore. You, and she's trying to say something here, but he reaches out suddenly, draws her to him, and as she strives to free herself, he kisses her on the mouth. So what we have here is Eddie asserting, in a sense, his masculine territory on Catherine. He sees that Rodolfo's standing in the doorway of the bedroom. He knows what Rodolfo has done. He's basically taken something from Catherine that Eddie wanted himself her sexuality. So in the act of kissing her in front of Rodolfo, even though, of course, she's not returning his embrace, Eddie's marking his territory. Eddie's saying, she's mine and she was mine before she was yours. So again, Catherine is very much just going from pillar to post here. She's just being pushed from from one person to the other with very little power here. Now, what's interesting is Rodolfo responds to this uh, kiss by saying, she'll be my wife. That is what I want, my wife. 
And again, the possessive pronouns here, um, it says clearly what's going on here. This is a battle of masculinity between the two male characters over Catherine. Now it says Rodolfo flies at him in attack. Eddie pins his arms laughing and suddenly kisses him. And obviously in that act of kissing Rodolfo, Eddie's trying to make a point about Rodolfo being gay, but he is also making a point here about his own power, I think. Now, um, Eddie's sort of determined to prove that Rodolfo ain't right. So he keeps saying, you know, I know it, Mr. Alfieri, the guy ain't right. And he repeats it throughout the play. But Alfieri makes it really clear that Eddie has no grounds to do anything. Alfieri says, this is my last word, Eddie. Take it or not, that's your business. Morally and legally, you have no rights. You cannot stop it. She's a free agent. And he says the truth that everybody knows, which is that, you know, Catherine's a free person. She can do what she wants to do. Alfieri says, let her go and bless her. But at this point, the phone booth begins to glow on the opposite side of the stage. And so immediately we see Eddie's two choices, Eddie's dilemma. Does he do the right thing and let her go and listen to Alfieri? Or is he going to go to the other side of the stage, pick up that phone and call the Immigration Bureau? Well, I think we know what he's going to do. Um, but the tension, the dramatic tension here is great as, as the prop of the phone booth and Alfieri on the other side of the stage really dramatically shows the audience the dilemma that he has. Um, and Alfieri, who of course is speaking a lot of truth and sense here, is speaking as Eddie sort of, Eddie's attention begins to be diverted by the phone box. Um, so Alfieri says, somebody, somebody had to come for her. Um, Eddie, sooner or later, somebody had to come for her. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a case of when, not if. Um, and obviously the sad thing is that Eddie chooses a phone booth. He tries to fight the inevitable um, desperately, but it's impossible for battle. Now, um, things move on and after... The phone in the Immigration Bureau, um, Marco and Rodolfo are put in jail. Alfieri bails them so that Rodolfo can marry Catherine. And Beatrice and Eddie um, have this scene of, of conflict together where Beatrice is getting ready to go to this wedding and Eddie um, doesn't want her to go. Eddie, first of all, says to um, Beatrice, it's a shooting gallery in here and I'm the pigeon. You know, he's making out that he's the victim here and where Beatrice should be standing by him, she's siding with Catherine. And then Beatrice, you know, tries to persuade him to to come around. And she says, because in her heart, she's talking about Catherine, she still loves you, Eddie. I, I know it. He presses his fingers against his eyes. What, are you crying? She goes to him, holds his face. Go. Why don't you go tell her you're sorry? Beatrice encourages him to make it right. The thing is, when Catherine comes down, she's so cold towards Eddie because of what he's done in betraying Rodolfo that Eddie just loses his temper and, and just starts shouting. Um, he says, will you stop arguing with me and get them out? You think I'm always trying to fool you or something? What's the matter with you? Don't you believe that I could think of your good? Did I ever ask for something for myself? You think I got no feelings? I never told you nothing in my life that wasn't for your good. Nothing. And look at the way you talk to me. Like I was an enemy. Like I... 
a knock on the door. Now, what's really um, interesting is that as Eddie is passionately speaking about his own innocence, which we know to be um, false, the knock at the door comes for the um, for the immigration bureau ar- arrival. So it's really it's it's a it's a clear juxtaposition here. Eddie projecting the image of himself that he wants to project to society. Um, I'm the good guy here. But even as he's making that speech, the evidence that he's not the good guy, the fact that he betrayed um, Marco and um, Rodolfo, the evidence is there with the knock at the door. Now, Beatrice's final thrust is to turn toward him instead of running from him. So while she says, my God, what did you do? She doesn't reject Eddie, whereas Catherine does. And that's an important distinction between those two female characters. Now, obviously, the person who reacts the worst to the betrayal is Marco. Um, And it says that whilst being arrested, Marco suddenly breaks from the group, dashes into the room and faces Eddie. um, And he spits in Eddie's face. Um, And then at that point, the dynamic shifts and Eddie realises that the person he's battling is no longer Rodolfo, but it's Marco. Um, Eddie says, he's going to take that back or I'll kill him. You hear me? I'll kill him. I'll kill him. Um, it's that sense of his masculinity has been questioned by Marco, his authority. Um, and he wants to get his name back, his reputation. Now, Marco says to Alfieri in the jail cell, in my country, he would be dead now. Um, that sense of that tribal community law, um, Catherine says, to hell with Eddie, no one's going to talk to him again if he lives to 100. But, you know, Marco, Marco's point, all the law is not in a book, is a really key point here, that Eddie's fundamentally misunderstood his own community. Now, Marco lays various charges against Eddie. He degraded my brother, my blood. He robbed my children. He mocks my work. I come here to work, mister. Um, but fundamentally... Eddie feels like he's been wronged. Now, Eddie tries to um, impose his authority on Beatrice, even though really he's lost his authority in the in the community. He says, didn't you hear what I told you? You walk out that door to that wedding, you ain't coming back here, Beatrice. Gives her that ultimatum. You know, you've got to choose them or me. Um, and Catherine is then the one who stands up and says to Beatrice, why are you letting Eddie uh, boss you around? Now, this is ironic because back in at one, it was Beatrice saying to Catherine, why are you letting him tell you what to do? So Catherine says, what are you scared of? He's a rat. He belongs in the sewer and tries to get Beatrice to um, disregard Eddie. But what's interesting here is that Beatrice doesn't want to do that. Now, Eddie goes on and on and on. I want my name. Marco's got my name. Um, But... Beatrice, in this one line, says something very revealing, that she understands it all. She says, you want something else, Eddie, and you can never have her. Beatrice knows what this is all about. It's all about Catherine. Um, And Eddie carries on, wiping the neighbourhood with my name like a dirty rag. I want my name, Marco. Um, And that's that's his focus for the rest of the play. But Beatrice keeps trying to get him to face the other issue, the real issue, the deeper issue, which is his desire for Catherine. Now, in the sort of climax, we've got um, Eddie lunging with the knife at Marco. Um, Marco grabbing the blade 
and turning it inward. So Eddie dies by his own knife. Now, whilst you say Marco is the murderer, it is Eddie's knife. And if Eddie hadn't got the knife out, it wouldn't have happened. So you can say it's equally Eddie's fault. You could even discuss the implications of Alfieri bailing Marco because Alfieri tries to make Marco promise he's not going to hurt Eddie but I think we all know really that's not gonna it's not gonna wash so we could even implicate Alfieri here anyway what's interesting is that when he's stabbed with the knife Eddie falls to his knees before Marco and obviously that's what Marco wanted that kind of subjugation position of um you know kneeling before him but what is really poignant about the play is the reconciliation that happens between Eddie and Beatrice. Um, Catherine rejects Eddie, he's the sewer rat now, but Beatrice does not reject him. And he dies in her arms, and with those sort of last words, my be, very brief, we can see how um, there's some element of reconciliation. And it even says that Beatrice covers him with her body. There's that sense of identification, uh, I'm with him. Um, that's so powerful. Um, and then Alfieri's final words, even as I know how wrong he was and his death useless, I tremble for I confess that something perversely pure calls to me from his memory. He allowed himself to be wholly known. And I think as we see that, we understand that Beatrice saw Eddie and, and fully knew him. And there was that sense of pathos in that despite all his flaws, she loved him anyway. Um, and I think that's almost how we feel as an audience. Despite his flaws, we still admire him and we feel that sense of um, the waste, the tragic waste at the end of the play that's, that's so key to the, to the structure of Greek tragedy. And we feel that catharsis, that purging of pity and fear at the end of the play as we tremble about what's happened. Um, but there's something of, of human nature there that is eternally true. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.